Medical Education Podcast listeners. This is Kevin Eva, the editor-in-chief of the journal, coming to you today with the pleasure of speaking with Jorge Zarate Rodriguez, who is a surgical resident at Washington University in St. Louis School of Medicine. And along with co-authors, Jorge has a paper coming out in the June 2022 issue of the journal entitled Applicants' Perception of Fit to Residency Programs in the Video Interview Era. Jorge, welcome, and thanks for taking the time out of a busy research phase of your training, I understand, you're currently embarking upon. Yes, no, thank you so much for having me. Uh, I'm very excited to be here with you. Looking forward to the conversation, and let's just jump right into it. I'm sure the very first word that stands out to people when they encounter your papers, that word fit, it seems intuitively understandable, but at the same time, I'm sure has a wide array of interpretations. What was your understanding of fit when you embarked upon this study? Yeah, the concept of fit is probably the most interesting part about this research. And at the same time, like the most complicated and most difficult puzzle piece in this avenue of research, I guess I would say. Fit is the kind of thing that everybody sort of intuitively understands, like you alluded to, but it's particularly hard to define when you're trying to get specific. So there's been a lot of literature out there in the medical education world talking about how, you know, applicant fit is this crucial factor in applicants' decisions of, you know, where to rank programs on their rank list when the time comes to pick where they want to do the residency program. But it's hard to define. And so we try to pin that down in our paper. And so kind of the definition that we came up with is, you know, an applicant's understanding of their own compatibility to a program. And there's a lot of factors that go into this, and some of which are, you know, concrete and measurable, and some of which are extremely subjective and might depend on very specific interactions you have with people at particular programs. Um, You mentioned the match, and that reminded me that I should probably ask you to explain what that is for the sake of people who don't work in systems like yours and mine, where there's a matching process to residency. Oh, yeah. I feel like we could do a podcast episode just dedicated (laughs) to the match because it is, you know, one of those very complicated peculiarities of the way that we do medical education in the United States. So briefly, you know, medical students in their last year of training apply to a variety of residency programs in their chosen field. And then they get interviewed by those programs. Previously, that was done in person. And then, you know, due to the restrictions of COVID-19, all that was done virtually. And then at the end of the cycle, which is, you know, mid-February, applicants get to create a list that they submit to the NRMP, which is a national organization that produces the match. And that list is supposed to reflect their preferences as to what program they would like to end up in. And then the programs themselves also curate a list based on the applicants that they interviewed. And then it all goes into this black box. And then weeks later, it spits out the results of the match and you know, applicants find out where they're going to be going for their residency and programs find out who they're going to get for their programs. And it is serious in the sense that you are bound by contract to go wherever the match tells you to go. So it creates like a very interesting dilemma for people, specifically minorities, which is what we get into a little bit in the paper is, you know, you go to interview at a program and you don't like the program or you don't feel like you're going to be a good fit for that program. But then you're faced with the choice at the end of the cycle, do I put that program on my list or do I not put it on the list? If you put it on the list, you run the risk of matching there and then having to go there and then potentially being unhappy. 
But if you don't put it on the list and none of the other programs that were on your list matched you, then you could go unmatched, which puts you on this very long salvage process that is probably beyond the scope of our discussion today, but it's not a situation you want to find yourself in, let's just say that. Yeah, no, absolutely and understandably. And I guess the important part for our conversation is that this ideally is meant to be a two-way selection where the program is choosing the trainee and the trainee is choosing the program with whether somebody works in an environment with the match or not. I guess this concept of fit is still relevant, right? The way you defined it, anytime somebody applies to a specialty or a training program or even a job, I suppose fit would naturally fit in those considerations. Yeah, absolutely. You know, fit is definitely not specific to the medical world and definitely not specific to medical education in the United States. You know, the conversations about fit are so prevalent here in the United States medical education world because it feels almost like a little bit outside of your hands once you've submitted that list and sort of up to like the match gods. And I think that's why people put so much emphasis on choosing the right people for their lists, because once that dust settles, you're kind of stuck for better or for worse with whatever the result is. Whereas I suspect there might be a little bit more flexibility in other you know systems where you're not bound by this sort of computer algorithm. But I don't know that for sure, because I've only trained in this one system. So maybe... Fair, maybe fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> well, and so given the nuance that can be embedded in the term fit or the variety of ways in which one might establish a definition for it. How does one go about measuring something like fit? You used a survey here. How did you try to tailor it so that you're getting data on applicants' perceptions of fit? That's a great point. You know, there's actually various ways that we can define fit, even using the sort of definition that we used. We focus specifically on applicants' perception of fit, but like you said, the match is a two-way street. So, you know, we could have done a completely different study looking at it from, you know, the other way, you know, how does a program define who they think matches to their program? And there could be a significant discrepancy between an applicant's perception of fit to a program and then the corresponding program's perception of fit for that applicant to them, which is a problem that we didn't really tackle in our paper because, you know, that is a larger conversation in and of itself. But to answer your question about how do you measure fit, you know, I I think the first thing that we did was we went to the existing literature. People have tried to define fit numerous times. And in the last 10, 20 years, we've understood that medical training, residency needs to be a little bit more humane. And so when people were placing more emphasis on quality of life during training beyond just, you know, the mere clinical exposure or clinical activity alone, uh, I think that's when people started to think about fit in broader terms. So a lot of publications came out looking at, okay, what are the factors that people think contribute to fit? And like I mentioned, it goes beyond just clinical experience. It goes or academic recognition or, you know, research opportunities, but it goes beyond that and into the realm of quality of life. You know, what kind of support is available for somebody who's interested in starting a family during residency? What kind of support is available for somebody who might be a gender or sexual minority, a racial or ethnic minority? Are there opportunities to supplement your income through moonlighting opportunities, all of these things kind of go into each applicant's personal definition of fit, which will be different from other applicants based on each applicant's specific like life circumstances and specific goals. And so what we did is we compiled a list of factors based on our literature review, and we found that very naturally they fell into three separate buckets. The first one being sort of more structural factors that, you know, by and large are a little bit more concrete, easier to measure 
specifically or in tangible terms, you know, what is the call structure of this program? What are their opportunities for bench research? All of these things that are sort of built into stone about a program. The next bucket is really more about identity factors that are specific to each applicant. So we've come to understand in the last couple of years that diversifying the workforce is important in healthcare, like everywhere else in life. And so, you know, people are seeking out programs with specific gender and racial distributions. And so that's another aspect of fit. And then the third aspect of fit that we identified uh, had to do with people's relationships. So how do the residents interact with each other? Do they hang out outside of work? Do they get along with each other? Or is it more of a program where it's a little bit more of a competition-based program? Is it a collegial relationship between the faculty? Does the program director get to know people's families, or is the program director somebody who's maybe a little bit more hierarchical structure where there's less of a personal relationship and more of like a boss kind of relationship. And so those were all the factors that we compiled based on fit. And then basically the core of our survey got at asking applicants, how important is each of these specific factors to your personal definition of fit with the understanding like I alluded to earlier that those are different for every applicant. That's basically what we did. And then adding the little twist of the virtual interviews is, okay, acknowledging that this factor may be very important or not very important, depending on the factor. What was your experience like trying to assess this factor through virtual interviews? And we hypothesized that some of those factors would be easier to measure, like cost of living, you know, you can look up what rent is like in whatever city the program they're considering happens to be in. But other things like, do the residents get along? Are the residents happy with a residency program choice? Those are things that are harder to ascertain from the virtual interview. And in surveying almost 500 people about these things, there was a very important discrepancy when you start talking about the virtual context like that between what was important and what they actually felt like they could assess. Do you mind just explaining that to our listeners? Yeah, of course. Basically, like you pointed out, there was interesting discrepancy between the factors that applicants identified as being very important for their definition of fit, and then how easily those factors were able to be assessed. So if you look at the factors that were the most important, they happen to fall mostly in that relationship domain of fit, resident satisfaction, resident relationships with each other, and family friendliness, all of these things were ranked as being the most important for applicants' personal definition of fit. And then simultaneously, they were rated as being the hardest to assess. And on the other side, the things that were maybe least important, like, for example, cost of living, the opportunities to moonlight, the call structure, which are, you know, what we're calling the structural factors of fit, those were the easiest to evaluate, which, you know, when we were analyzing the data, trying to understand what this data was telling us, it does reflect a little bit what people are throwing on the residency websites. If you go through every residency website, they'll tell you, oh, you know, our residents do rotations through this and that service, and they have this number of weeks to do research. But the other intangibles are much harder to portray on a website or to communicate through something as impersonal as virtual interviewing can be. And that leads me to want to ask something that I appreciate will push you beyond your data. So we're now into the realm of speculation, but it seems like such an important thing to enable applicants to consider fits and video interviews are likely not going away anytime soon, especially given that you identified that minoritized individuals seem to feel less fit in many ways. Have you any sense yet as to how we could improve capacity to 
judge fit? Yeah, I mean, this is like you said, this is going to be a little bit of speculation, but I do have some thoughts, some ideas of how you know some of these gaps and fit could potentially be addressed. And actually, we employed some of these strategies on my program in the past virtual cycle, and we're still working on the data, but I'm hoping we'll have something ready soon to kind of discuss. But you know, basically, it all boils down to attempting to highlight what the relationship dynamics are like in your program. So if you're a program director, during your virtual interview cycle, you have to create spaces where the applicants can see the residents interact with each other and where the applicants can interact with the residents. There are programs that have done open houses where the residents come and answer questions. And I think that those have been very successful for a lot of people based on what I've seen on social media. Twitter happens to be a very fruitful kind of avenue for discourse on a lot of these topics because you have you know, faculty and residents and medical students all kind of talking about these issues. And what I'm seeing on Twitter and in other social media is that people People do like these open houses, but you know you can take that a step further by creating spaces that are, for example, resident only. I think you'll find that the interactions between a group that is mixed and contains faculty, residents, and applicants will have a very different tone than if you have an open house that is just residents and applicants, where the applicants and the residents can feel like they can ask questions more candidly. And I think that that allows applicants to get a sense of like, okay, this is what these people are actually like when they're together, as opposed to feeling like they're seeing some sort of curated, unrealistic, almost performative expression of program culture. To address specifically the point that you brought up about how women and racial and ethnic minorities have reported poorer fit in our survey, goes hand in hand with a lot of work that's been done in the recent years to create a more welcoming environment in medical education, specifically in surgery, which is, you know, my field. And so we need to continue to be intentional about the way that we recruit these applicants who bring so much to our programs. And so something that we did this year and that I'm excited to kind of study how it was received by the applicants is create specific spaces that are dedicated to discussing issues that pertain to women and pertain to racial minorities. So we invited residents and faculty to a separate open house slash town hall where, you know, female applicants could come and ask questions about what it's like to be a woman in surgery, what it's like to be a woman living in St. Louis, you know, questions that, you know, female applicants might ask if they had the opportunity to pull one of the female residents aside and say, hey, what is your experience if you wanted to, you know, start a family or anything of that sort? Just basically creating a space where those conversations can happen organically and also in a space where they feel like it's safe to ask those questions. So we had female surgeons come and answer questions and then have them step out for the second half where the applicants were able to interact with just our residents. And then we did a similar event just for racial and ethnic minorities, as well as people that identify as LGBTQ. That is sort of what my recommendation would be. I guess we'll have to see what happens once the data is out. But basically to come and bring it back home, I would say that we just have to be very intentional about reaching out to these applicants specifically. Well, just the choice to do that or not, I imagine, is a signal of fit for many people, right? It may not even be the particulars of the conversation or the interactions, but the fact that a program is making that deliberate effort, I imagine, sends some quite strong and valuable signals. Exactly, exactly. Well, this fantastic work and really important activity that you're describing is your next step. So we'll wait with bated breath without asking you to give away any more spoilers before you've got that wrapped up. But I want to wish you the best of luck and look forward to hearing what comes of it. Thank you so much. And I really appreciate your support. And I'm really grateful to everybody in medical education for the opportunity to share our work. My pleasure. For those who 
want to read more details, you will find it under Jorge Zarate Rodriguez's name, a paper in the June 2020 issue of Medical Education entitled Applicants' Perception of Fit to Residency Programs in the Video Interview Era. Thanks again, Jorge. Thank you. 